So I think if I could change the system in any way, it would almost be to try and make it a bit genderless by having more equality at every single stage. This is Brave New Girl podcast and we share real stories with real impact. I'm your host Lou Hamilton and I'm a filmmaker, author and artist and passionate about storytelling for making a positive difference in the world. Your story matters, it tells of who you are and why you do what you do in the service of others and my guests bring you their stories, their highs and lows and courage gained along the way. Join us for the ride. My guest this week is Bethan Thomas, the first non-Chinese person to get a degree in tea science from the University of Fujian, China. She worked as a tea buyer for some of the UK's biggest tea brands before co-founding Hot Tea Mama, an award-winning tea company making teas to support better periods, pregnancy, motherhood and menopause, from gut health to hormonal balance. Welcome Bethan to Brain New Girl Podcast. Hey Bethan, how are you? Hello, I'm great Lou, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. So you describe your teas as a hug in a mug. Um, how has your business survived and thrived through the pandemic, post-pandemic and now the cost of living crisis? I know, it's a fun time to have a business. Um, we've been very lucky and also very yeah well just worked extremely hard I think to to make the business work so for us the pandemic was bizarrely quite a positive thing um, in terms of business because we were very online focused that came from the fact that we were running the business while we had other jobs and being direct to consumer was just the simplest way to work at that point but it meant we were really well positioned to take advantage of online events that came instead of in-person events that we probably couldn't have afforded to do at that point. And also pitching to wholesale buyers moved online, which again actually gave you an opportunity to, to find the buyers um, at retailers. And we grew a lot over the kind of two years of pandemic, again, because our products focus on on wellness and that's something that again people became more and more aware of and were looking for kind of ways to to support themselves so I would never want to celebrate Covid at all but it was almost the trigger to make me go full-time and then I could push it more and yeah uh, we're very lucky to kind of double our turnover each year since Covid hit um, but I was very aware that obviously there was going to be a time where the pandemic ended and people weren't shopping online quite as much and um, yeah kind of focused as much as I could at trying to get into retail channels speaking to the right buyers um, and we launched into Holland and Barrett this year as a result of it was three years since my first pitch to them <laughs> so it wasn't an overnight um, success but we were yeah we have products for for menopause which is now a big focus of theirs um and just the timing was right um, but it meant that we've been able to kind of diversify our channels we have a sort of 30 percent split um across online um wholesale um and uh retailers uh sort of an international business um which is really nice and gives you a bit of confidence as we head into yeah the current 
cost of living crisis that we're at least not over reliant on any one channel um but it isn't a fantastically um wonderful time to own a business and be employing people uh because we don't quite know what's going to happen at the moment we're finding we're doing okay we're doing a bit more promotions um trying to react to make sure we can run our business but that we can also offer people the product at a discount um regularly and yeah touch wood so far all the work we've done means we are still in growth doing really yeah really well we've almost reached our kind of annual turnover from last year this year and we're in just going into q3 for us so it's good but i'm not very relaxed a lot of the time (laughs) i guess with with teas is that it's it's not an expensive item it's Mm. it's something that you can do to help yourself so you you feel like oh yeah this is a this is sort of comforting it's Mm. healthful it's not too expensive it's Mm. it's something that I can have as part of my kind of daily life as we go into these sort of uncertain times ahead of us and a winter a cold winter then a hot cup of tea has got to be a good thing yeah and I think um we're a very expensive cup of tea in the sort of grand scheme of teas but there's also just a growing awareness i think we've had culturally around um our own health and how diet and lifestyle covid kind of made us all realize um that yeah we should be trying to take care of ourselves more and um yeah investing in it's not like buying a bottle of wine it's much cheaper than a bottle of wine to buy a really good tea um that yeah can hopefully have better health benefits and flavor versus what you might buy in the supermarket so yeah i think tea is just a wonderful comfort um but also a great part of a healthy lifestyle for people so yes it's an affordable luxury i always say um to have a really good tea and i suppose if maybe the comparison would be supplements so if you're Mm. thinking about teas as actually a herb and and medicinal in in that sense then it's an addition to your supplements as opposed to in comparison to a bog standard cup of tea exactly yeah and i think there has been a huge move in the supplement area where we now have so many food supplement food-based supplements which is great because your body can absorb them properly and they're natural not full of a lot of chemicals but actually a lot of the ingredients in our teas are exactly what's in a supplement but the supplement's going to cost you 30 pounds um whereas the tea is is six pounds um and is going to last you for a month um in a similar way so yeah it's a good way to boost that um and have a complementary slightly more affordable uh way to intake the same natural products that are in in those supplements and you focus primarily on on women's health which we'll go into in a bit but First, to give some context, um, can you tell us what kind of little girl you were that has then eventually become this woman entrepreneur? One thing I should say is that my partner, who I've been with for 17 years, he is an entrepreneur and has a business. And I always said I wouldn't do it because my dad set up his own business, took early retirement in his sort of think late 40s um and set up a business and I saw how stressful that was and then I saw Jake 
do it. And I always said I'd never do it. So I, I was not a natural entrepreneur. As a child, I wasn't, you know, setting up a lemonade stand outside my house in the summer. But I had a really lovely childhood. I grew up in Birmingham. Don't sound like it, but suburbs of Birmingham. And yeah, had really supportive parents. My dad was away a lot uh, before he retired. He worked overseas a lot um, as a water engineer. And my mum kind of brought me and my brother up and we just did everything. So I was very curious, really hardworking. We did a different activity pretty much every night um, and I loved them all. I liked the variety and, yeah, had a great experience at, at school, a local village school and then a kind of uh, local comprehensive that was just great. And I just liked learning. I liked doing stuff. I liked seeing people. But I think I was quite a simple relatively simple creature and the main thing that I saw through particularly my my dad was that the world was a much bigger place than my little bubble so um, rather than sort of wanting to be an entrepreneur I really wanted to um, travel and see the world and that's what I did after university I moved to China and that took me down kind of the route into tea not that I realized it at the time but yeah definitely interested in doing anything and everything and going anywhere and everywhere was the kind of child that I was. <laughs> I would say that whether you wanted to become an entrepreneur or not you displayed a true entrepreneurial spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably I think just not with that commercial background in mind yeah I think you're, but all the, you're probably the right. Curiosity the willingness to hard, work hard yeah. the the ability to kind of go and do this, that and the other and being, you know, wanting to be with people, all of those things that we kind of all need when we're entrepreneurs, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I think my parents very much instilled, um, yeah, a curiosity and a willingness to be very driven um, in us that we've both then used in really, really different ways. But yeah, there's a definite Thomas gene for just sucking stuff up and just if you decide you're going to do something you do it <laughs> and you decided that with tea so you got yourself to China and yeah you you studied tea in China which must have been pretty rare for a non-Chinese person to be doing that so how did you get to that and how did that evolve so that happened about um, 12 years after I first moved to China so Originally, I moved there to do um, an internship in marketing, but I absolutely fell in love with tea while I was there. So the fact that I got the bus to work every day and the bus driver would have whole leaf tea in a tea flask, the builders would be topping up whole leaf tea from hot water taps on the streets as you know they were taking a break from construction. And it was a totally different way of viewing tea. And I have always loved tea. I mean, my dad can't leave the house without having a cup of tea before he goes like he's he hydrates primarily through tea and not water and I was very similar but it kind of I realized when I moved to China that the way we drink tea in Britain is not necessarily what tea is all about and I spent a lot of time on weekends heading down the coast to the tea producing regions um, spending time in tea houses and I thought at that point um that I would love to work in tea because 
again, my dad had a big influence on me, but he sort of said quite casually in my teenage years, well, you know, you're always going to spend more time at work than you will with your family. Like whoever you marry, you'll see them less than the people that you work with. So you best make sure whatever you do, you like it. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, but wanted to go and live in China and then was like, you know what, I could food and drink. I love like working in that kind of area. And tea just did it for me. So I ended up doing a master's, not in tea science, um, but in Chinese studies so that I could learn to read and write Mandarin because I was really struggling. I worked in an English speaking office and um, you can pick up conversational bits of Chinese, but the actual reading and writing, you just have to devote yourself to rote learning it. Which again, I think my work ethic came in there. Um, and Jake, my partner, would always laugh because um, I did the degree split between Oxford and Beijing and he was doing African studies. Sometimes we would work together in the library. He was like, what? You, you just literally writing out these characters and every time you get one wrong you go back to the beginning and then you start again <laughs> he's like it's not interesting it's like I know it's not it's so hard it's so hard my yeah my son yeah. did uh, Mandarin at a level so yeah in between like lower six and upper six he went to Beijing and I went with him um, and his dad we came we went out the second uh two weeks and uh and so I saw how hard it was. It's just so complicated and it has to be so perfect. Exactly. And for my degree, you had to know a minimum 2,000 characters, which is essentially what you need to hopefully be able to read the newspaper. But yeah, it's not anybody could do it, but you just have to be willing to do it, I think, is the, the main way to describe it. I loved it. But once I finished that degree, I had in my head I wanted to work for a tea company. And I wrote to all the kind of big tea companies and um, I'd missed like the graduate um, application uh, because of the way that the master's course worked versus a kind of undergraduate course. And they um, told me I'd have to sort of wait for a year to reapply. And I was like, well, but, but then I'll be like 25 <laughs> and, um, you know, this isn't going to work. So I was very sad, but I got a job at a marketing firm in London and I just utterly hated it. So I went out with friends from school after being at work one day. And it was a very good job. I worked for wonderful companies as their kind of agency, but it just wasn't for me. And a friend of mine said, well, you know, for goodness sake, change it. Like, don't moan about it. And um, there must be other tea companies other than, you know, the ones owned by Unilever and Tata. I was like, yeah, there, there is. There's like a UK tea council. And I got home that night and I just went through the list of all the companies that weren't the well-known ones on the list of tea companies at uh, who were part of the UK tea council. And I applied to all of them there and then, like by email. Um, and yeah, one of them replied. Um, and that was an amazing company called Jing Tea, who are very focused on China and have a lot of Chinese teas. Ed, um, who became my boss, um, had studied Mandarin as well. He actually studied Chinese medicine. And yeah, I went for an interview, had several more interviews over a couple of months because it was a very small business. And he took me on and he just has the most incredible palate and taught me everything about tasting tea, professionally, blending, where required. 
we set up an office in Hong Kong while I was there and I got to go and spend huge amounts of time out of Hong Kong with tea producers in China and Japan and Taiwan. I ended up doing tea training because of the knowledge I was developing. We worked with places like the Fat Duck and I wrote their tea menu for them and trained their staff. And it was just a wonderful like way to get into tea. It led me many years after I was there for quite a long time. I, I changed and worked for an Indian tea company and did a very similar thing because I wanted to learn about Indian tea. And it reached a point where I was kind of 28 and Jake and I had been together for a long time. We knew we wanted to have a family at some point. And I read, because I got lots of emails about the tea trade from different organizations. And I read in one that popped into my inbox one morning about um, a university in China, in Fujian, that was setting up a specialist school that was going to um, look at a type of oolong tea called Tiaguanyin, which is my favorite type of tea. And it was in Anxi, which is the home of that type of tea, and you could go and study there. And I said to Jake, oh my goodness, like, if I could go and do that, I would just feel <laughs> complete. Um, and we didn't sort of, I think, openly say it, but in my head I was like, well, if we're going to have kids, this, there's going to be a bit of a restriction at a certain point. So I should do this now. And um, he was wonderfully supportive and said, oh, go for it. And I spoke to the company I was working at who wanted to expand into China. And I said, well, if I could go and work in, in China, I could help you, but I could also develop even more knowledge that would help with sourcing. And they said, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I don't think anybody thought I would actually do it. Jake definitely didn't. He looks back. He said, I didn't think you'd really do it. <laughs> um, but I wrote to the university. They said, you can't go to that campus, but you could come to our Fuzhou campus and study tea science, um, which no one non-Chinese had ever done there. But they said, well, as long as your Mandarin was good enough, you should probably do, you know, because it was tea biochemistry and a lot of vocabulary I just didn't have. Um, they said, come and do some language training before you start the course, uh, but you can do it there. And I said, amazing, I'm in. Um, and quite quickly in the space of about three months, I'd managed to roll up my job in London um, enroll in Fujian Longling Dashui, which is the agricultural university in Fujian. And um, yeah, I was over there with a part-time job helping the company I work for source tea and set up um, over there and study tea science. And it was the best thing I've ever done other than having my lovely children. But like as a something that was just for me, it was incredible and it's a rural third tier city as they call it in China. Um, there was nobody foreign there. I had one very good friend who's from Nigeria because the university had a lot of connections with um, African and um, Southeast Asian universities. And yeah, I eventually met one English guy who was married to a, a woman from Fuzhou, but it would take me two hours to get to his house because the city you know, population is the size of Scotland's population. <laughs> and I had to get buses, but I just loved every minute of it. I learned more about tea than I possibly ever could have anywhere else. And yeah, just had the best adventure of my life. So you did go on to have children. And as yeah. as many of us find, then, you know, our lives suddenly dramatically change and we have to rethink yeah. the plan. Yeah, and I hadn't appreciated that. <laughs> 
to the extent. <laughs> How did you go from having had this amazing experience to having children to then setting up your own tea company? So I, when I finished my degree, I was very lucky that I was offered a job at Whitard of Chelsea, which happened to be just outside Oxford, where Jake works, he's at the university. So I jumped at the chance of that, came back and had several years um, before we had kids working there. Then I had, <laughs> then I had Keris. And I think no one fully pre- can prepare you, can they, for just what a fundamental change it was and I struggled a lot ended up because I'd been reworking the tea range I ended up doing keeping in touch days from about two months partly because I was just so desperate to keep my identity which had been built up over kind of 15 years around tea and my work and suddenly I'd lost all of that and Keris was a very late smiler wasn't my fault Um, but you know you feel like it's your fault at the time and we moved house when she was six weeks old and the house needed lots of work and Jake had his own business uh, as well as a job at the university so it was really busy and um, it was just awful I sort of sunk into not quite a full depression but just a level of just coping with things that wasn't really healthy And at the time, one of my best friends, Kate, had also had uh, a little girl. And she insists that she asked me at this point about setting up a tea business um, that would focus on pregnancy and motherhood. Because she was saying, well, you know, like when you're pregnant, you have morning sickness. You know, there are teas that can help with that. Um, Preparing for labour, drinking raspberry leaf. And I realised actually that a lot of the teas I was making at at my work weren't really safe for pregnancy because they had licorice root in which raises your blood pressure and can lead to preeclampsia there are all these kind of things going on and Kate would constantly be asking me about it but I don't have any memory of her saying you know what we should we should start making teas that support women with all of this because it's really hard isn't it (laughs) but yeah she tells me that she did she asked me again about it when I was pregnant with my son a year and a half later and I did remember that time um I wasn't in such a bad place and yeah I thought it was a great idea so I had a very supportive boss very luckily at Wittard who yeah was happy for me to work on it because it's very different kind of market focus and we started developing yeah tea blends to support us with all the issues that we'd had And yeah, that range from the things I've mentioned, like morning sickness and birth preparation, but to breastfeeding, which nobody can tell you quite how hard that can be, Um, sleep, anxiety and and stress. And we developed a range of six teas, very much based on our personal experience that we then sort of launched online on a website that we made just to see if anybody would ever be interested. And luckily for us, they were <laughs> you also have menopause and postmenopause tea which which i've tried and yes. and i it gives me so much energy oh good i yeah. make sure i have it at, earlier in the day because i'm like i'm a, i'm alive and awake and raring to go so i yeah. need that earlier in the day <laughs> yeah then you need our night owl in the evening yes. to like calm down mm. and relax but yeah they came a couple of years later um very much again from our personal experience, we're, you know, in our early 40s, 
friends were going through perimenopause. Again, nobody had ever spoken to me about menopause when I was a child. My mum went through it without ever mentioning it. And yeah, luckily we don't live in that kind of age anymore. Everybody is a bit more open. And we were finding our customers saying, my mum's going through menopause. Is there anything that could help her? And again, with my kind of tea knowledge and and the Chinese medicinal side as well that um, I looked at while I was in China, there's lots of herbs that can support. They're not drugs. HRT, you know, is brilliant and should be um, available to all women. But as part of a natural, you know, lifestyle and diet support alongside that yeah there are plenty of things that can help so we developed yeah teas to support women through perimenopause postmenopause and just with periods as well so again linking to lots of friends have endometriosis and pcos um, very bad pms and if you breastfeed when your periods come back they can be very hard so again this is something that the whole Hot Tea Mama business is based on our own kind of personal experience um, and my tea knowledge to try and find something to support, comfort um, and help women. We, in the last few years, have heard more and more about gut health and hormonal balance. And so how do the teas help with both of those? So they're never going to be as effective, particularly for gut health, as, you know, a prebiotic instead. But... Um, they can absolutely help with digestive health. So things that we've always taken a bit for granted, I think, but um, whole ginger root is incredibly um, soothing and anti-spasmodic, anti-inflammatory. And there's a reason lots of people drink peppermint after meals for the same reason. So you can get support from herbs, but they're almost treating the symptom rather than solving the issue. Um, but are a great support for people with that. Caffeine, again, can really aggravate stomach issues. Um, it increases digestion, which you don't necessarily want to be suffer from things like IBS. So, yeah, a low caffeine kind of herbal option can be brilliant. I've now forgotten the other issue that you asked me about. Hormonal, hormonal, hormonal balance. balance. Yeah, so again, our over-the-moon tea and take both look at kind of natural herbs that, can help with the hormonal balance so phyto phytoestrogens again they're slightly less powerful in the studies that have been done than things like soy but they do have have an impact and the same for progesterone things like spearmint have been shown um, to really help increase estrogen and progesterone in studies things like ginseng and green tea are both fantastic uh, for progesterone yeah so they can again be part of that kind of balancing hormone piece which some people look for entirely naturally and others have HRT but still look to their diet as well. I always ask my guests if they were to rip up the system and start again what would their vision for the future look like and this that system can be whichever system you are particularly concerned with so I guess in terms of women's health if you could if you could do anything and had a magic wand what would the future look like? So I think for me, a lot of, obviously our business is about women's health, but I'm very passionate about our business also being um, female focused from a business perspective. And I just think the system needs more women (laughs) because I found again, when I had children and you go back to a work system, it tends to be women who asked to work four days a week and are therefore not looked upon for progression, 
but actually four days a week might be by far the best thing for their mental and physical and therefore for their work efficiency and capability and there are plenty of studies showing that you are as efficient working four days a week as you are five days a week more often than not so I think if I could change the system in any way it would almost be to try and make it a bit genderless by having more equality at every single stage and we're lucky at Opti Mama that we're Kate and I are the founders we still run the business we employ um, three amazing women our warehouse is actually female owned and has one male employee but the rest are all women <laughs> and I haven't actually intentionally sought that out but there is a great ability of women of a certain age who have a certain life experience to be the best possible people you could employ, I believe. And I wish there was more appreciation of that in our current system, rather than writing women off and then having women face perimenopause and suddenly find that we're dropping out of the workforce because rather than having the support we need, we think there's no other option. That's a loss to our whole society. And I would change that. How do you define courage in the light of that (laughs) I think courage is something different for everybody isn't it but to to me one thing I struggled with and still do struggle with is just being very open and honest um you know on opinions and I read some amazing research again about the female brain versus the male brain when we interact with people and it's the pure logic side and the me focus side that lights up when men are scanned when they're having a conversation and when women's brains are scanned there's about a gazillion different parts of the brain that are working you're worried about what the other person's thinking how you're saying how it's affected them and I I certainly feel that in conflict situations Um, and I think you probably can't um, be courageous and be scared of conflict but it's how you deal with that conflict. Yeah, it's being brave enough to to have conflict and work through it to try and benefit, yeah, yourself, but hopefully somebody else as well. <laughs> but I love that idea of, of courage and conflict because we are going to have conflict and, and so therefore we have to be able to find the courage to be able to deal with it in, in the best ways. Thank you so much, Bethan, for creating a hug in a mug that puts women's wellness and health at the heart of the teas that you create. As a postmenopausal woman, I certainly enjoy the tea that you created for the likes of me. Thank you oh, so, so much. Good. Oh, you're so welcome and thank you. <laughs> Take care and keep creating. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Bethan, for showing us that we can take our passion and turn it into a purposeful pursuit for the good of others. You can find out more about Bethan's work on www.hotteammama.com and follow her on Instagram at hotteammama. Thank you, Brave New Girl Media, for producing and sourcing the guests for the show. And to you for listening. I hope today's story inspires you to step into the spotlight and show how you too are positively impacting the world. Take care, choose courage, and see you next time.